Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Open Conversation podcast. And today, I really wanted to talk about some of the thoughts and feelings um, that are coming up for me around um, just some of the reflection that I've been doing on my own kind of childhood and adolescence and and really more kind of... um, Uh, like my former years, and <laughs> do, do it doing this podcast and and just speaking about this out loud is really going to help me kind of connect the dots for myself, and in turn, I really hope it helps you maybe start to reflect on your childhood and your journey and um, who you're presenting as today. So. After I was born, um, my mum had postnatal depression. And when I think about this, and I think about how stressed and overwhelmed and just unhappy and scared and lonely and isolated my mum must have felt, while going through this postnatal depression after having me. And when I really try and kind of put into when I when I really try and create an image of me as this little baby in his cot laying you know Next to my mum who's in bed with postnatal depression and the memory that my mum has that she's told me was <clears throat> she was just so emotionally and physically exhausted this one day. I, I, I was crying constantly and um, you know, Obviously, I was picking up on my mum's stress and fear and anxiety and and that was making me stressed and scared and and anxious. So because of that, I was crying and, you know, really struggling with my own emotions. And, you know, obviously, as a baby, we need our parents, particularly our our mothers, to help us regulate our own emotions. And because my mum was struggling to regulate her own you know, just, just that image in my mind of like me laying in my laying in my cot, crying, and my mum laying in bed crying, really brings up a lot of emotion for me because I just like if you just think about that for a second, think about imagine if you walked into that room. You know, into my mum's bedroom, and like, what would you feel like? And every single one of us has experienced this, whether we're that sensitive to energies or not. But when you know someone's just had like this huge blazing row, and and you walk into the room, <clears throat> you can instantly pick up on something. You know, like the energy feeling off. Something, you know, something's just happened. Well, 
imagine walking into my mum's bedroom with like me just you know screaming and crying and, and my mum crying and just um, imagine what must be going on in that room like how, how much like what the energy would feel like in that room and that you know this is just one one memory that my mum has told me about now you know p- postnatal depression isn't just one day so the the thought of this was clearly ongoing day in and day out and my mum said that she literally got to like her, her wit's end uh, one night and she just she was so exhausted looked up at the ceiling just like crying her eyes out and she just screamed at the top of her lungs like, with every bit of energy she had left inside of her if there is a god please give me a sign Anyway, like my mum said that both of us cried ourselves to sleep and um, she woke up the next morning and there was a knock on the door and it was Jehovah's Witnesses. And, you know, obviously that was my mum's sign that there is a God. Um, and from that point on, I was being raised as a Jehovah's Witness. Now... What what really comes to mind when I think about that is how I was being taught through no fault of my mum's, but I was being taught that when I'm terrified, when I'm sad and lonely and, and anxious... I, no one is there to help me through those big, heavy emotions. You know, I'm I'm just left alone. I'm I'm isolated. That's what really comes to mind when I when I think about this. And and then when I think about all all the years that I can remember growing up as a Jehovah's Witness and. You know, being conditioned to believe that I have to, I have to present myself in a, a very particular, specific way, because if I don't, then God won't love me. And and when I think about this, as as a baby, I, you know. As babies, we can't compute intellectual things. We we just have our emotions, express them, and we have our basic needs, and, and those needs need to be met. Now, as a baby, while I was scared and, and crying, and my mum was in bed and scared and, and crying, the message that I must have got was... When when I'm being authentic and, and expressing my, my true emotions... I'm not loved. I'm not seen. I'm I'm not accepted. And it's funny to think that then growing up as a Jehovah's Witness, that was the exact same message that I was growing up with. Because part of that that religion that I, I don't know why I find it awkward calling it a cult because it it clearly is a cult, but um 
yeah, well, you know, grow, growing up in that cult, we're we're led to believe that you know we have to be these good boys and girls and you know good like men and women and we have to really try and be perfect and you know there are parts of us that are bad and sinful and parts of us that we need to basically exterminate and and get rid of and you know if we express these parts then you know Jehovah like which is who they call God Jehovah won't love us so as a baby I had you know that that same message that my mum who ultimately when we're babies our mums they are our god like ultimately without our mum we we wouldn't exist and then you know straight into a religion a, a cult that was also perpetuating the same message that I need to be inauthentic and present in a very uh, specific, um, as perfect as I possibly can be in order to be loved. And, you know, in our early years, everything that we take in becomes part of our like foundational beliefs about who we are as a person and, and who we need to be in order to have our needs met and, and be loved and accepted and approved of in the world. Now, when I think about my teenage years and I, I left the um, religion, the cult, <laughs> at about, I think I was 12, um, and then going into my teenage years and, you know, like going into upper school, I, I really rebelled. No, I, I got kicked out of school. I was getting pissed all the time. I was smoking weed every day. I was doing speed and pills, and I because and and when I reflect on it now, at the time I I didn't know this, but when I reflect on it now, every single time that. I was pissed or I was, I'd done ecstasy or speed or I was stoned or what, not so much stoned, stoned kind of just monged me out. <laughs> um, but de- definitely when I was pissed and when I was on pills and, and speed, I was able to bring out these parts of myself that I thought if other people knew about I would be rejected and ultimately I I wouldn't be loved and accepted but these these drugs enabled me to tap into these parts of myself and, and bring them out and allow certain people that I felt safe enough with to see these parts of me and you know it, it's pr- predominantly to do with my sexuality and um you know, things like masturbation and, and all the things that in religion we were told that our self-abuse, our um, like products of Satan, are sinful. Our... So I had all, these shame, all this shame around these, these parts of myself. And I was only able to 
access these parts of myself and bring them to the surface and allow certain people to actually see them when I was under the influence. Which, when I... When I really reflect on it, it makes a lot of sense. that Because deep down... I craved this acceptance and and this approval because I'd never had it. I'd never had that feeling of just being completely accepted and and loved for who I really really was. I've I've never had that. So it it makes complete sense that I I would then You know, I would then use drink and drugs every single time I was struggling because they'd <laughs> basically that those things had been the vehicles for me to allow for for me to basically give myself permission to be seen. Because I had so much fear around being seen. I, I was absolutely terrified of being rejected. I was terrified of not being accepted. I was terrified of you know being pushed out of the you know like our, our friendship group and, and laughed at and made fun of and and when I really think about You know the the dec the decade in my twenties. I really struggled with relationships. Really struggled. I'm see. I'm amazing at presenting myself in a way that is likable. Now I'm, I'm. I know. I know how to fit in. Is what I'm trying to say. I know how to fit in. I've been doing it. You know, the majority of my life. I, I know how to fit into situations and and certain groups and you know be around people and and just just fit in and and be accepted by pretty much anyone and everyone. I, I know how to do that. But. All those years that I'd spent trying to fit in and trying to be someone that was likeable and and trying to get accepted and be approved of, I suffered. Like my my life was painful. You know, I don't get me wrong, I had elements of I had times of happiness in my life. I had times of uh, almost peace. But for the most part, my life was full of struggle. My, My life was ultimately suffering. Because I never allowed anyone to actually see who I really was. 
And as a result of that, I always felt different, isolated and, and lonely. Because what, what is our fundamental need as a human being? Or needs, um, I'm going to state two. Our fundamental needs as a human being is to be loved and connected. We crave connection. We want to be connected to people. We want to be, you know, we want to have deep, soulful, meaningful, safe, loving connections. That's what we want. And I was never able to experience that because I was disconnected from myself because I was told indirectly, sometimes even directly, that I had to disconnect from certain parts of myself. Because if I didn't disconnect from certain parts of myself, then I would be rejected. And, and ultimately, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get the love that we all need. So it's, you know, th- this disconnection of these parts of myself that I'd done served a very valid purpose. You know, th- this disconnection and, you know, like the people pleasing and trying to fit in and, you know, all, all of these traits... got me so far in life they 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 got me to a point where you know i wasn't really rejected i was you know externally you know by other people i i was accepted i you know i i did fit in i i was approved of but when i say i i'm not talking about big i as in who i really am at my core i'm talking about little i you know, the identity that I'd created, you know, the the parts of myself that were just kind of protective mechanisms and coping strategies and, and parts of me that I've kind of moulded myself into, that version of me was approved of and accepted and, and liked. But who I really was, my soul, you know, my my real, like, natural traits as a human being, my authenticity wasn't accepted and approved of because in childhood I'd been told that those parts of me were bad. So then I spent my whole life, up until the age of 30, also telling myself that these parts of me were bad and that I would need to suppress them and never let anyone see them and hide them and reject them and condemn them. and So it makes complete sense that you know, my life was full of loneliness. And five years ago, when I was really at rock bottom, I knew that I couldn't carry on living that way. And from that moment on, I made a decision to really start doing this work, to be able to really learn to love myself. Because I didn't, I didn't love myself. My love was conditional 
based on whether others loved me or not. And others never really did love me. How could they? They didn't know me. They knew who I was presenting, but that wasn't me. So I never experienced true love. Never. Because no one really knew me. And at the start of this year, I, so I'd, I'd been in therapy on and off for about 18 months um, since late 2020. Um, and at the start of this year, having gone through therapy and, you know, a lot of inner work and self-reflection and I I really decided that I'm going to start showing the people in my life that I really love and care about who I really am and I'm going to give myself permission to be seen because I know whatever consequences occur as a result of that, ultimately I'll still be okay. And this began with me opening up to Charis. I began talking about some of my sexual desires and uh, a big one for me specifically is around being watched while I'm masturbating. I had a lot of shame around that. And in therapy, you know, when I was able to talk about it and like really make peace with it and, and own that part of me. And I could... And I felt safe enough to be able to actually express this to Cheris, even though I didn't know whether she would fully be okay with it or she would judge me or, or reject me or it would hurt her even. I, I just decided that I, I just, I want her to see me. I want her to really see me. And Anyway, we, we had a um, joint therapy session together. So me and Charis and, and our therapist. By the way, uh, both of us have worked with her um, individually and we've also had some um, like couples sessions with her. I basically just said to her in this session, you know, something that I, I really miss is um, being watched while I'm masturbating. And she was instantly, she was like, oh, I thought it was going to be like something really big and heavy. <laughs> and I burst out laughing. And I, I just looked at my therapist and I was like, started shaking my head because I was like, in my mind and the way I felt about this part of myself was so shameful and like really big and heavy and consuming. And... As soon as I opened up and, and told Charis about it, it wasn't important to her. It was like, oh, like, is that it almost? Which felt really relieving to me. Um, 
And yeah, from then on, she was like, well, what about starting an OnlyFans? And I was like, fucking hell. I could not have expected this conversation to have went any better. Literally, like, I thought I would open up about it and there'd be tears and there was none of that. None of that at all. So that, that was my first experience of like, you know, really starting to open up and, and letting someone who, if they rejected me, would be really painful. You know, so someone that I actually cared about their, their opinion and, you know, who I actually wanted to love me. And when, when Charis didn't reject me and when Charis, you know, was still loving me and supporting me and there for me. And it made it so much easier for me to be like, do you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to rip the bandaid off and I'm, I'm going to start showing up on social media and, and allowing people to really see who Dan is. Anyway, the, the moment I started doing that and the moment I started, you know, speaking more openly uh, about, you know, my sexuality and the things that I enjoyed and who I was and, um, set up my OnlyFans and started posting pictures of me like naked and wearing like women's underwear and stuff like this. Like all, all the people that were screenshotting my pictures and sending them around to each other and gossiping about me and judging me and like laughing at me and, and making fun of me and, and stuff like that didn't affect me because it was like the, I'm. I'm now secure showing up as who I really am. And the fact that you're judging me and, you know, the fact that, if you know, some of these people were actually people that I would consider friends a, a few years uh, prior. So the fact that I was now allowing myself to really be seen and the fact that these people were now showing me you know, indirectly, obviously, you know, the, these people won't say anything to your face. They'll, you know, make fun behind your back because ultimately they're cowards and they they, they don't want to have a, an open conversation with me about it. You know, it's that, that that's not what they want. But what they were doing was showing me that these people never were my friends. So, and this... This was, this was fantastic for me because it started, um, it was a way for me to indirectly remove people from my life that weren't meant to be in my life in the first place. You know, just me showing up as me, just me being me was enough for them to ultimately remove themselves from my life because as soon as I found out who it was, I blocked them. And that gave me so much power. You know, whereas, you know, childhood Dan would have been absolutely terrified of someone making fun of him, would have been petrified that he was being judged and and rejected by these people. Yet, throughout my journey and the, the therapy that I'd had, I was able to make peace with these parts of myself and really own them, accept them, and actually come to love these parts of myself. Like I, I love my sexuality. I love my sexual desires. I, I love, you know, being naked, and I, 
it turns me on wearing women's underwear. Like, this is part of me that I love. I love that I get to experience this part of me and, you know, not have shame around it anymore. So these people removing, removing themselves from my life no longer carry, carried any weight. Because what was more important to me was me living authentically and me actually enjoying being me. Now the questions that come up are, I wonder what it is about me that triggers some of these lads that I used to know in in Sudbury, where we used to live. What is it about me that really triggers these people? And when I really reflect on that question, it's so obvious. You know, the, the, these people that I used to surround myself with are also living their lives inauthentically, the exact same as I was. Now, I was going out getting fucked up every weekend and, you know, cheating and, like, you know, just doing things that were just completely out of alignment with the person that, I really am deep down and and who I wanted to be. So it makes complete sense that, you know, me being authentic and and me showing up as who I really am now triggers these people. And look, of course, I'm still human. I still have an ego. There are parts of me that, that judge these people now. There are parts of me that are like, you know, I, I know that you've done X, Y, and Z. I, I, and, you know, there are things that <laughs> I know that they're doing and, and that they've done that, you know, the, the part of me that is judgmental towards them <laughs> kind of finds it funny now that they're judging me. But then the... The, the kind, loving, compassionate Dan, it's like, you know, it, it, it makes complete sense. They're, they've got their own wounds. They've got their own childhood trauma. They've got their own fears about being seen for who they really are. You know, they don't know how to create deep connections. They, they don't know how to create connections that go deeper than surface level. So it makes sense that, you know, they would screenshot my pictures and share them around and, and you know, gossip because... They don't know how to create connections and, and communicate with people in an, authentic, in an authentic way. You know, for them to try and gain connection, it's, it's them gossiping and, and them judging others. And it's, you know, that, that, that's the very surface level type of relationships that they're capable of. Exactly the same as me a few years ago. That was all I was capable of. And, you know, the, tr- the truth is, when we really, really commit to ourselves and really do this work, I, I don't just mean like share quotes and, and, and like, positive things around and, you know, 
listen to a, a podcast here or there or you know maybe read a book i mean actually do the work go to therapy and really commit to yourself the 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 changes that you'll be making in your life will trigger people 100% without doubt it will trigger people and you will have people judge you you will have people say things about you and make fun of you and gossip about you behind your back you will you 100 110% will that will happen and while while it sounds scary now if you aren't or haven't been doing the work the moment that you start doing the work is the moment that you actually start to create the safety inside of yourself to be able to care more about your opinion of you instead of caring more about their opinion of you. And this is what I love about this work so much. The, the, the deeper I go into myself and, and the more I learn about who I am and you know, can really accept and, and own all of myself, The, the more of my the more of myself I give the opportunity to be seen by others and really experience those deep connections and love that every single one of us needs anyway it's it's been funny today like this is today's my first day of um, coming off social media uh, for December. I decided that I was going to come off social media because for the last few weeks I've kind of been lacking a bit of motivation and, and inspiration and I've been scrolling a lot more than I would like and um, I've been on Instagram now for almost 10 years and I've never taken an intentional break and when you think about that, think about like how our minds are just, we're constantly taking in information and most of the time, we're not even aware of what we're actually taking in. You know, we're scrolling and, and something registers and, and goes into our subconscious mind. And we're, we're constantly taking in information from other people and other people's thoughts and other people's stuff and their ideas. And so I, I just wanted to completely disconnect from social media for the rest of December. I've also got my birthday in a couple of weeks. Um, we're going to go out for a meal and some drinks with some friends. Um, obviously, Christmas is coming up. And really, I, I just wanted to just connect to myself again. I, I just wanted to really start taking back all my energy and, and not, you know, not have an idea or a thought and, and want to share it and, and post it on social media. You know, just, just really come back to myself and, you know, rejuvenate and, and be ready to, you know, really start putting myself back out there again in, in January and, you know, like, opening up the doors for people to work with me again and you know talk about all the things that I'm really passionate about so yeah I I, I just want to leave you with I want to leave you with this this question that I want you to ask yourself and it's what parts of myself do I want people to know, but I'm absolutely terrified of people finding out about in case I'm rejected? What parts of myself do I want people to know, 
but I'm also terrified of people finding out about because I don't want to be rejected and, and pushed away. Really reflect on that question. And and just lean into what comes up. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that you have to tell everyone everything, but every single one of us has parts of ourselves that we wish people just knew. But we but you know, but those same parts of ourselves we have a lot of fear around because they're our most kind of um sensitive, fragile parts that you know we may be struggling with. Anyway, you beautiful human being, I am going to love you and leave you, and I will speak to you soon.